Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode is Season 3, Part 16, Current Events. What was going on in August 2017 as this episode aired? And uh, one note on this, so I'm going to talk about the number one film and uh, what was going on in the news and the Time Magazine cover. I kind of screwed up the news thing a little where I talk about a boxing match that actually took place the night before. Um, I kept looking for other things, and I really couldn't... It didn't seem worth like recording a whole new segment and finding something else for that day. It tends to be kind of quiet at the end of summer. And what I ended up doing was still talking about that, but my justification is uh, on the East Coast, it was already the next day because it took place at, uh, I think, between 9 and 10 in, I guess if it was in, yeah, it was in Vegas, which I think is on pacific time not mountain time so if it was at nine it would have been over past midnight so there you go that's how i justify this being on the same day we're almost at the end of this current events uh series i mean i have the episodes for season two that haven't been released yet but they're already recorded and all of that so uh in this case i'm cheating a little bit but uh we'll bring that into the fold in a moment so on with the current events this episode aired on sunday august 27th 2017 the number one film in the country was still The Hitman's Bodyguard, which made $10.2 million at the box office this weekend. You can check out the previous episode if you want to hear me discuss that, because that's when it debuted. In the news, after a two-year lull, five-weight Floyd Mayweather, 49 for 49 in his boxing career as a super featherweight, lightweight, lightweight, welterweight, welterweight, and light middleweight, returned to Las Vegas for a massively profitable fight where he may have won as much as $220 million against mixed martial art champion Conor McGregor. Employing the rope-a-dope strategy and then turning on McGregor precisely when the MMA bouts usually end, Mayweather was able to pull a 10th round technical knockout, surpassing Rocky Marciano's undefeated record and promptly retiring on the spot. Despite losing, McGregor earned praise for his performance from George Foreman, Evander Holyfield, and Mike Tyson. The entire event was a much more successful example of cross-sports competition than the previous notable example of Muhammad Ali and Antonio Inoki in 1976 Japan. Probably because technically this one wasn't actually cross-sports. McGregor fought a straight-up boxing match. He didn't try to mix styles within the ring. That earlier fight, though, the Ali-Inoki one, uh, was fought under very strange circumstances that I found out about when uh, researching both of these fights. Uh, each fighter seemed to think that they were operating under their own discipline's rules. So Anoki ended up lying on his back and kicking Ali's legs for round after round while Ali taunted him and demanded he stand up. The end result was a draw with each individual claiming victory while angry fans hurled trash at the Budokan stage. The kicking was so fierce that Ali nearly had to have his leg amputated, but oddly enough, he developed a deep friendship with Anoki, despite the infuriating conditions of that match. Neither one, it seems, made nearly as much off a single fight as Mayweather or McGregor did in 2017. The Time Magazine cover this week is General John Kelly, Trump's Last Best Hope, published for the week uh, beginning August 21st, 2017. A simple photo adorns this cover, albeit one with artful lighting that casts part of uh, John Kelly's face in subtle shadow and a telephoto lens that softens his ears while keeping his nose in crisp focus. The new chief of staff, an ex-general who despairing Republicans hoped could finally put the White House in order, is presented as something of an aesthetic break from time's summer of dramatic, chaotic covers, conveying a visceral sense of relief as well as an intellectual one. At least, that's the attempt. Describing how he set the staff in order with clear, authoritative commands, Time Magazine writes, 
Almost overnight, Kelly shut the always open door to the Oval Office, sent hangers on back to their desks, fired the combustible communications director Anthony Scaramucci, and told all the leaders of the many White House factions to report to him, not to the president. The article goes on to claim Trump, who defers to virtually no one, shows a clear preference for and deference to the military brass. It's a bit of a mystery why. And citing Kelly's career in the Marines alongside other high-ranking officials, the article observes, it is safe to say that the scrappy Marine Corps has never had so much clout in the chain of command. The article also notes that Kelly established his bona fides for Trump as Secretary of Homeland Security when the president tried to deliver on his campaign promise to prevent Muslims from coming to the U.S. Then came the hastily drafted travel ban. When Kelly first learned of the executive order, he asked about White House talking points for the embassies and Congress. The answer? There were none. The incident left Kelly stunned by the Trump team's lack of preparation. But he appeared before cameras to support the ban and promised to carry it out. That angered Democrats, who had backed his nomination. It also endeared him to the president, who found himself defending a travel ban without a workable plan to make it happen. The article also points out that some, despite this you know, support for the travel ban, actually see John Kelly as a moderating influence on the president. They note that when asked why he didn't prevent Trump from tweeting that North Korea would face, quote, fire and fury, someone close to Kelly responded, You'll never know how many other tweets he did stop. So this was Time's presentation of the new chief of staff, but uh, within months, the laudatory press would have second thoughts. Kelly was fully backing many of Trump's most controversial initiatives, not just as a loyalist, but out of his own deep conviction, and one piece at 538 even called his rhetoric Trumpian. If so, it didn't help Kelly, because eventually he and Trump were barely on speaking terms. Both the working environment and perhaps Trump's less orthodox views on engaging with North Korea and committing troops to ongoing occupations, or rather not committing troops to ongoing occupations, may have actually driven the wedge between Trump and Kelly. By January of 2019, Kelly was out. Just one of another long, long line of casualties who thought they might have been able to exercise some form of control over an uncontrollable administration. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. On the next episode tomorrow, we will be discussing uh, part 16 in the weeds, character statistics, order of events, and all that fun stuff. Put my whiskey down, notorious Irish whiskey. Come and see him. Do I answer questions or do I just rattle on? Rattle on? No problem. It was a good fight. I smoked them the early rounds. I thought I'd bust you up the early rounds, but I tell you what, you're one composed individual. Um, you didn't get rattled. You tucked in when you needed to tuck in. I thought you, you switched up your game plan three times. <clears throat> you came out looking to box. I thought you were being outboxed early on. You looked to play against the ropes like you looked to play. You were getting picked off there. And then you came in, hands, hands up towards your forehead, dipped in forehead on the chest, and started to fight that kind of fight. I didn't anticipate that. Three, three game changes in the, in the fight. That's what a true champion does. Much respect. You, 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 you came with it. You know what I mean? I got to give respect to that. It was a hell of a fight.